Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. <laughs> uh, it's good to be here. Let's take a second and um, let's just pray for our time together, the rest of our time together, and just ask that the Lord opens our hearts. Father, uh, we're so grateful for all that you've done already this morning. God, we just thank you that your spirit is filling this place. We thank you for your presence, your anointing. God, I just ask right now that you put your words in my heart and my mouth and that I only say the things that you want me to say. Father, I pray that our ears and our eyes are open to receive your truth so that we leave this place um, transformed and changed, that we're not the same people leaving that we were when we walked in. God, we surrender our hearts and our desires to you, and above all, we pray that your kingdom comes and that your will is done both in us and through us. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Well, you've heard a couple times today already that we are beginning our three-week, our 21-day fast. This is an annual fast that we do. And um, it is what, what we like to do at the beginning of the year because we are giving God our first fruits. We are giving God our first three weeks-ish and saying we're taking this time at the beginning of the year to pull apart and to pull away and set apart this time to you because we desire you to work in our hearts and our lives. Is there, is there anybody in this place that needs Jesus to work and to move in their life? Okay, I was a little concerned at first because like two people raised their hands and I was like, well, I feel like more people in here need, I mean, like, I know that I need Jesus to work in my life and I'm a preacher. I do this for a living. So if I need Jesus to work in my life, you know, like we all need Jesus to work in our life. Um, today we're talking about, we're calling today's message only by prayer and fasting. Say only by prayer and fasting. Only by prayer and fasting. So before we jump into the scripture uh, quickly, I just want to talk some practical things about our fast together. I was telling everybody in the first service um, that when you grow up in church like I did, you, you sometimes make the false assumption that everybody understands words and terms that you use. And you, you make the assumption that even though I grew up in church, everybody should know the stuff that I'm talking about. And so not always is that the case. And a lot of times people don't know what we're talking about. So when we're talking about a fast, what a fast is in a biblical sense is it means that you are withdrawing from food in your life in some way, somehow, some shape. Whether that's you're completely fasting food and you're only drinking water like Jesus did. Do we have any spiritual giants in the house that are only fasting, fasting all food? Awkward pause. <laughs> yeah, fast food. Good, good one. Um, and so you can fast all food. You can fast food from sunup to sundown. You can fast certain kinds of food. There's a Daniel fast that we talk about in the Bible, which comes from when Daniel was captured and, and they were trying to give him all these delicious foods. And he said, I'm not going to eat that stuff because it's been given to gods. And so I'm going to eat only fruits and vegetables and nuts and drink water. And so that's what we call a Daniel fast when you're fasting like delicious delicious food like steaks and meats and McDonald's and fried chicken when you're fasting those things and you're eating just vegetables and fruit because it's great. It's great. Uh, but a fast, what it really is, and so you, it, it comes down to really in the, in the Bible sense is you are removing food from your life. And so a fast is this. It's abstaining from food, something that gives you life, to draw closer 
to the source of real life, which is God. And so when you, and I, you know, we all put our hands up and said that we need to see God work and move in our lives in some way or some shape. And so when there comes a time in your life where you say, I need to see God work. I need to see God move. And so you say, I've got to call a fast. I'm going to call a fast in my life. And I'm going to pull out some things in my life that I feel like give me life. You know, whether that's food or whether that's some of the things I do for a living or whatever it is, you begin to pull these things out and empty yourself of these things so that then you can fill those voids up in your life with the Lord and with time in the Lord. So what the idea is, when you are fasting, it's simply not self-denial, okay? A lot of people will assume that when you're fasting something, all you're doing is just simply denying yourself food or simply denying yourself social media or simply denying yourself coffee from Tim Hortons or whatever. But it's not just denying yourself. It is denying yourself and replacing what you're denying yourself with with time with the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? So if you say, I am fasting, uh, you know, I got a real bad Instagram habit, and I spend 17 hours a day on Instagram. I just can't get enough of those reels. I just sit there, and I don't, before I know it, 17 hours has gone, but I haven't even slept. That's not me. I almost despise social media. It's just an example. But if you're saying, I'm fasting social media, then what it is is when you say, normally you would go spend some time on social media, you say, what I'm going to do now is crack open my Bible and sit in the presence of God. And what I was doing before with all the social media, I'm now filling that time up with Jesus' time. Does that make sense? You're all staring at me like at a cow at a gate. Like, should we, should we cross this gate or should we stay here? I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. There's a, it's empty. This guy left the gate open. Are we supposed to go out? Are we supposed to? No, listen. So you replace what you normally do with Jesus in your life. So if it's eating, you know, you don't just say, I'm just not eating food. I'm just, I'm, I'm only drinking water, and so I'm just going to push it through, and I'm not going to have food for the next 21 days, and, and I'm just going to tough it out. No, you don't just tough it out. What happens is, is when you feel those hunger pains, you say, I submit, I surrender these, these pains of hunger to you, Lord. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to go, because I'm feeling this temptation and this desire to eat, I'm going to go crack open my Bible and begin to look at you and begin to look into your word and begin to look into your face because I need to see you work and move in my life more than I need a cheeseburger from McDonald's. So this is what fasting is. And so here we are. We, this is our annual 21-day fast. And listen, if you call Hope City Church your home, I encourage you to participate in this fast. Because like I said in the first service, I believe that God is wanting to do something great over the next 21 days in our lives. We're going to look at a passage of scripture in a moment um, that will illustrate that. But I, I completely believe that God is wanting to do something powerful in our lives, both individually and corporately. I believe that if we begin to pull ourselves away over these next two, three weeks and say, I'm going to surrender this to you, Lord, so that I can see this come to pass in my life, so that I can see you move in my relationships, so that I can see you work and move in my body, so that I can see your breakthrough in my finances, so that I can see restoration in my family so that I can see that the spirit of fear is gone from my family or from my kids so that I can see you move. I'm going to remove these things from my life to see you do it. So if you call Hope City Church your home, I encourage you to join this fast and take it seriously. 
We've got an app, like Jacob was saying. Um, you can go to our website. There's a pop-up that'll take you right to the link for the 21-day the devotional. The 21-day devotional is great. It's called Mountains Will Move, and it's about God moving mountains in your life. And um, we've gone through it uh, beforehand, and it's great. I think you will really like it and enjoy it, and I think it will help you. Uh, if you want a paper copy, there's the first seven days already printed out on the table outside. Grab it. Participate. Come to worship nights. Come. It's 7 to 8 o'clock. It's one hour. And here's what I want to say to you. Listen. How bad do you want God to work in your life? How bad do you need change in your life? How bad do you need victory in your life? Are you willing to give up one whopping hour out of 24 in a day to the Lord? Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Come to worship night and watch and see what God does. We're, we're being intentional and creating these times and these nights so that we have a chance to get together midweek and just watch and see God move in our lives. So, so this is what a fast is, you know. A fast is also biblical. You can go through the Bible, Matthew chapter 6, and for sake of time today, because we've already done dedication, I've already talked a lot, I'm just going to paraphrase this to you, but Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking, and this is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is first public message that he gave to everybody. And in that passage of scripture, in Matthew chapter 6, he begins to talk and he begins to say some things about things that you do when you are a follower of Jesus, when you love the Lord and you've given him your life and this is who you are. And he talks about when you give. Then he says, when you pray. And then he goes on in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, he says, when you fast. So fasting is biblical. It's not, it's not a suggestion. It's not um, uh, if you fast. Jesus didn't say to the, these people when he was preaching at the Sermon on the Mount, he didn't say, hey, if you do a fast, he said when you fast. It was a given. It was an understanding that as a person who follows the Lord, that there would be times in your life when you fast because you've got to pull away from the normal everyday life that you live, maybe you need some kind of breakthrough in your life and you're just going through the motions and you can't get breakthrough. When that happens in your life, you say, I've got to do more. I need to seek the Lord a little more. I'm not, something's not working. I got to pull back from all this normal stuff and I got to get more God on the inside of me. I got to get more in tune with what the Spirit of God is saying. In my ears and my life and my, my body is so crowded by the voice of the world that I need to withdraw some things, pull them out of me, make some room, make some space inside of me so that I can hear the Lord talking and I can hear his leading and I can watch and see his breakthrough because I can hear his voice again. Do you want to hear the Lord's voice in your life? I don't like these new lights because it shows all the spit coming out of my mouth and I see it while I'm talking. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, he's talking and he says, when you fast. It is an understood, uh, res not responsibility, but it's something that you do as a follower of Jesus, that there will be times in your life when you fast. Everybody say, not if, but when. You will fast in your life. Right now, we are in a fast. We have called a fast, and I believe that God wants to work mightily in our lives. So go with me to Mark chapter 9, and we're going to jump into this, and I will make my way, you know, at the Lord's pace. So I was going to say as fast as I humanly can, but 
We just want to always do what the Lord wants to do, don't we? <laughs> Only three people said yes. The rest of them are like, well, I would like to get a little, I'd like to get some lunch today. Mark chapter 9. Today I'm reading from the New King James Version. And, um, you know, I was just, uh, during worship, I just, I just wanted to say all the other stuff for a background so everybody understood what a fast was and where we were going. Here's where I really wanted to get to, and here's what I want to talk about just for the next few minutes. Um, during worship, what was that song we were singing about, I Hear the Chains Falling? Yeah, break every chain, break every chain. So we were singing that song, and listen, I, I know I talked about this movie like right before Christmas or right after Christmas, but um, as we were singing that song, I was picturing um, the Muppets Christmas Carol again. I don't know, I don't know why this movie is stuck in my head, but honestly... And I believe the Lord will use things that you have seen in your life to, to illustrate points to you at times. And suddenly, as we were singing that song, I was instantly reminded of Jacob Marley in The Muppet Christmas Carol. That Muppet that comes to Ebenezer Scrooge, and he was covered in chains. Do you know who I'm talking about? I feel like every person in this room should know who Jacob Marley is. And he is covered in chains. And as we were singing the song, the Lord said to me, there are people in this place today that are like Jacob Marley, that are covered in those chains, those chains of guilt, those chains of shame, those chains of fear, those chains of addiction, those chains of hurt, those chains of wounds. And those chains are always trying to drag them down and weigh them down and make them fall to the ground. But God said, I am breaking the chains off as, as my church, as my people begin to seek me, begin to seek my face, begin to look towards me, begin to pull things out of their life so that they can fill themselves up with my word and my life and my healing and my wholeness, those chains will be broken off of their lives. And so listen, Jacob Marley had a ton of chains on him and he was floating around because he was like this picture of somebody that had done bad deeds in their life and now he was paying the price for it. But God says today to you in this place that his son came and paid the price once and for all on the cross and those chains are broken by the power and the blood of Jesus. And so the lies that you've been carrying around, the weights that you have draped around you, those lies from the past, the hurts, the wounds, the addictions, the guilt and the shame, and the fear and the anger and the frustration, the hatred, all those things that have been wrapped around you and weighing you down, the Lord says today that he is breaking those chains off and those chains are falling to the ground, gone. So, Mark chapter 9. We talked about this verse in prayer on Wednesday night. First uh, John chapter 3, verse 8, and I, I just can't get this scripture out of my head. I can't get this thought out of my head. And it's reminding us, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, that Jesus, the Son of Man, came to destroy the works of the enemy. And so whatever you're dealing with in your life, whatever you're going through in your life, whatever you're facing in your life that is not of God. Jesus said, um, the devil comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. And so whatever you're dealing with in your life that is stealing, killing, and destroying from you, Jesus came to destroy those works. And he is coming to bring freedom and set the captives free. And so in Mark chapter 9, we're going to pick up here in verse 14. We're going to read down to verse 29. And the previous verses, Jesus was just on the mount, and the, the, what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, when, when he was glowing and, and Elijah and Moses showed up and the voice from heaven appeared, or not appeared, but spoke and said, listen to my son. And in verse 14, 
says, when he came to the disciples, Jesus, he saw a great multitude around them and uh, scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? Every other translation you look up, look up talks about, uses the word arguing, not just discussing. Discussing could be a conversation, but in this case, it is arguing. And then in verse 17, it says, Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams in the mouth, gnashes at his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Now listen, just as we move forward in this, just so you're aware, in Mark chapter 3, Jesus had chosen the 12 disciples and he gave them authority to go out to preach the good news. He gave them authority to heal the sick and he gave them authority to cast out demons. And then in Mark chapter 6 as well, they had gone out and they were doing these things. They were healing the sick. The Bible talks about how they were anointing people with oil and they were being healed and they were being set free and they were casting out demons. And suddenly here in Mark chapter 9, we enter a scenario where there was somebody that the disciples couldn't cast out the spirit from. Okay? And so Jesus shows up on the scene and the Pharisees are arguing with the disciples because they couldn't do what Jesus had instructed them to do. And what I told the first service, I'm going to tell you now as well. So listen to me. Listen, what they were trying to do then is back then, if you could discredit a teacher's student, you were discrediting the teacher. And so what these people were trying to do was they were trying to discredit the, the, the apostles, the disciples, to discredit Jesus. Now listen, in your life, what a terrible thing it would be if in your life, because you were not living the way that God called you to live, if you were not living the truth that you know, if you were not walking in the freedom that you know you have received by the blood of Jesus, what a terrible truth it would be if people looked at your life and discredited Jesus because the actions of your life. Let us live lives that exemplify the Father. Let us live lives that point to Jesus. Let us live lives. Listen, when you have been bought by Jesus and transferred into the kingdom of light, you are transferred out of the kingdom of darkness. And when you are brought into his kingdom, you are now a child of God and you walk in freedom. You are set free. Those chains and those addictions, the stuff from the past, it has no weight over you anymore. You are a free person. And as you walk into that, everybody around you should see the freedom that you walk in. And as they see the freedom you walk in, they should say to themselves, that guy's got something that I need. I don't know what it is, but I need what that person has. So they were arguing with the disciples, trying to discredit Jesus. In verse 18, 19, it says this. He answered and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Talking about the boy. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, when the boy saw Jesus, immediately the spirit inside of him convulsed and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his, his father, I just love this about Jesus. Nothing really seems to throw Jesus for a loop. He says, go bring me the boy. The boy shows up and the spirit, the evil spirit inside of the boy sees Jesus and begins to throw a hissy fit, begins gnashing and rolling around on the ground and probably making all kinds of noise. And Jesus just stops and begins to ask his dad questions, not even concerned about what's happening over here. 
And he says, how long has this been happening? And he says to him, from childhood. And I just want to, this is, I want to stop here for a moment because this is what I believe. I, I told you at the beginning uh, of this passage of Scripture that I really believe that God is wanting to bring some freedom in hearts and lives in this place. That God is wanting to set people free. And so this boy had been dealing with these things since childhood for a long time. We don't know how long it was. The Bible doesn't tell us how old he was. But we know that it was from a childhood. So at least a couple years. And it's something that this boy had been dealing with. And this, this spirit inside of him had tried to kill him over and over and over. Tried to throw him in the water. Tried to throw him in fires. Tried to put him out of business, out of commission for good. And this is what I feel like. I feel like there are people here that have carried things around for far too long. And the Lord's saying, no more. You don't have to carry this anymore. I'm about to work and move in your life in such a way that those weights and those things from the past that you've been carrying around are about to be supernaturally broken free from your life. And so it says in verse uh, 21, he says, from childhood, verse 22, and often he's thrown them both into fire and into water to destroy him. But if, this man is talking to Jesus, he says, but if you can do anything, Jesus, Lord, if you can do anything, just have compassion on us and help us. But Jesus, if there's anything, like if, there, if there's any way, like I hate to bother you with this, Jesus, but if, if there's just any way that you could come and work and, and, and like set my son free, if there's any way, like just have compassion, feel bad for us. I want you to feel the feelings that I have for my son. Like I love my son and I don't, I don't want him to go through these things. So if there's any way, could you have compassion on us and set us free? This is what this man is saying to Jesus. And Jesus flips it around. And I love this. I love this about Jesus. Because so often, Jesus doesn't really answer people's questions directly, does he? He usually asks his own questions, or he rephrases what they said into a better way. And right here, the guy's saying, Jesus, if you can, if you can, can you help me? And Jesus flips it around. He says, if you can believe, if you can believe. There, here's the guy saying, Jesus, if you, if you can do anything, if you, if you can, just please come and, and help, have compassion on us. And Jesus says, actually, actually, if you can believe, if you can, it's, it's not about me. Okay, I, I've already done the work. I'm doing the work. Jesus says, it's about you, if you can believe. And so here we are today in this place. The Lord wants to set people free. The Lord wants to see you walking in victory and freedom. Free from chains and shackles and sins and hurts and wounds. Broken hearts, restored and healed. But you got to believe that the Lord can do that in your life. you got to believe that the Lord wants to do that in your life. And here's the thing. A lot of us at different times believe that, yes, I believe. And he, hang on a second. It goes on here. And the Lord, the, the guy immediately in verse 24, he says, Jesus says, it's, 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 if you can believe, all things are possible. Verse 24 says, immediately the father of the child cries out. And he says, Lord, I believe. Help my belief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. God isn't afraid of your unbelief. God isn't afraid of your doubts. God isn't afraid of your fears. God is okay with you being truthful to him. Because here's the thing. He already knows the truth about what you believe. 
He just likes it when you finally admit it so that you can walk forward together. And when you say, okay, I believe this far, but I just can't believe any farther. He says, okay, great. I'm going to come right in that moment where your faith quits, and that's where we're going to begin to work together. And I'm going to take you from this place to this place because I want to bring you all the way from hurt to whole. He says, Lord, I believe Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you come out of him and enter him no more. Mm. You know, Pastor Jenny touched on this at the end of the first service as well. But right here he says, come out of him and enter him no more. You know, I believe that somebody here, just as I'm reading this, I believe that somebody here is saying, you know what, I've been through this. I've gone through this, and I feel like I've been set free from this, and then the things come back to me again and again and again. But here's the thing. When Jesus works in your life, when you truly encounter Jesus, when you surrender your heart and your life to him and say, I will follow you. I will listen to your voice. I will go where you say to go. I will do what you say to do. I will make you my Lord and, listen, my Savior and my Lord. Not just your Savior, but I will make you my Lord and Master, which means I will do what you tell me to do. We're great about calling him our Savior. But it's the Lordship that we have a hard time with. It's the somebody else telling you what to do and where to go that we often struggle with. But I want to tell you today, whoever you are in this place, that if you will surrender your heart and your life, That it says here that when Jesus worked, he commanded that spirit to leave and to never come back. And the spirit of God is saying to whoever you are in this place that I want to work in your life once and for all. I want to do a once and for all work in your life where you were dealing with one thing and maybe it came back again and again and again. But I'm saying to you today by the spirit of God that he wants to work in your life once and for all where he comes in and he brings you salvation as in you have been set free and saved from torment, from fear, from shame because he's going to do a work that lasts from now to eternity in your heart today. Okay, moving on here. It says this. Enter him no more. 26. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, came out of him, and became as one dead. So that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Now, verse 26 says, when he had come into the house, the disciples asked him privately, which obviously makes a lot of sense, because here they were out doing these signs and wonders in the name of Jesus, and they encountered something that was beyond their ability. They encountered a spirit that they couldn't cast out. They encountered something in their life that was beyond where they were at spiritually. And so they came to Jesus when nobody was around, when nobody could hear him, and they say, hey, why couldn't we, like, you know, like last week, we, we, we healed this guy. We prayed for him. He was set free by your name. Last week, we, we saw this really crazy dude. He was super crazy. We prayed for him, and he was set free. But today, we, this guy, like, why, why, couldn't, why didn't this one work? And Jesus' answer says this. He says to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. This kind can come out by nothing but prayer 
and fasting. There are going to be times in your life when you are facing situations and you are dealing with things in your mind, in your body, in your family, in your finances, where this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And you have to ask yourself, how bad do you desire to be set free from what you're facing in your life? Do you desire it enough to go without eating cheeseburgers for a while? Do you desire freedom in your, in your finances? Do you desire uh, your relationships to be restored? Do you desire for your marriages to be made whole and to look like what God desires marriages to look like? Do you want these things in your life bad enough that you are willing to surrender and give up something temporarily to watch God work and move in your life? It's not a rhetorical question. Do you? I think half of you do. He says, this kind comes out by nothing but prayer and fasting. There's been times in my life that I can tell you where there was things that I was facing that I had to go find somebody else and say, hey, will you pray with me? Will you believe God with me? We prayed together. And then there was times in my life where there was just mountains that were so large that I couldn't see my way around them. And the Bible says, these ones, this kind, can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And if you notice, it's prayer and fasting together. It's not just fasting. It's not just denying yourself food, but it's prayer. And here, listen, the word prayer is this. It means to pray to God, to supplicate, which means the word supplicate is a fancy word for humbly asking for something, okay? And it means to pray, to supplicate, to worship. So when you are fasting, you are humbly asking God to work in your life. You are worshiping God for who he is and for what he's done and for what he's going to do in your life. That's what faith is. He hasn't done it yet. I don't see it yet, but I will see the end from the beginning. I trust you, Jesus. I trust that you're working. My hope and my faith is in you. This kind comes out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Stand up with me. I want you to close your eyes with me for a moment. And I just want to take a moment to quiet ourselves in the presence of God. to hear his voice and to, to listen for a minute. And the first thing I want to do before we go any further is I don't know everybody, I don't know everybody in this room. I can't see half of you and I don't know who all is here. And so before we go any further, I want to give every person in this, in this room the chance to know Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you hear, you hear me talking and yelling about this guy named Jesus that came to set us free, that came to give us victory, that came to break the chains in your life. And if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus, I just want you to slip up your hand and we're going to pray together because I don't want to leave this place and not give everybody the opportunity to walk in that freedom that Jesus has for us. Nobody's looking around. Everybody's got their eyes closed. 
All you got to do is slip up your hands and we'll pray. I see that hand. I see those hands. I see hands. Thank you, Father. I see that hand. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy in your life. We don't have to walk in defeat. We don't have to walk in hurt. We don't have to walk in failure. He's called us to walk in freedom as his children. Can I share a story, Jake? Yeah, keep your eyes closed. Everybody keep your eyes closed. Yeah, just keep your eyes closed. I shared a little bit about my dad when I was two years old and just thinking about that moment again about how thankful I am for my dad's yes to Jesus. Because I wouldn't be standing here today and I certainly wouldn't be alive with the things that I've gone through in my life. Because there's moments in my life that it was all that I had was Jesus. And in those moments, Jesus was so much more than what the whole world could have given me in those moments, and I'm grateful. But the pastor had asked my dad something like this. He said, do you want to accept Jesus in your heart? And my dad said, no, not really. And it's a funny story. But something in my dad's heart said yes, even though he didn't understand it. There'll be times in life where God will ask us to do something or you'll feel something inside of you that knows you should say yes, but you don't understand it. And often the understanding comes later. And I just wanted to say that I'm thankful for my dad's yes, because Jesus changes everything. Before we pray, is there anybody else that you want to put your hand up? You want to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? We're going to pray. I'm going to ask everybody to repeat this prayer after me. We're all going to say it together. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that you're saved. It's not something spooky. It's not something hard. Jesus wants to give you a gift that he has for you. So let's pray together. Just repeat these words after me. Jesus. Jesus. I come to you today. I come to you today. And I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. And I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. I've made a mess of my life on my own. I've made a mess of my life on my own. And I need you to come in. I need you to come in. To my heart and my life. To my heart and my life. And to show me the way to walk. Show me the way to walk. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you died on the cross. And that you rose again three days later. Setting me free. Setting me free. I'm so thankful, Jesus. I'm so thankful, Jesus. That you've made me part of your family. That you made me part of your family. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give him thanks. Come on, let's give it up, everybody. I want to give you the chance. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time or if it was a rededication, if you fill this card out, it's at the back and it says, I have decided. And it's just a real simple way for us to get in touch with you and to explain to you maybe a little bit more about the decision you made if you don't know what the decision was.
Bible says that when somebody accepts Jesus into their life and makes Jesus their Lord and Savior, that there's a party in heaven, that the angels are rejoicing. And I love it that the enemy loses one and the kingdom of God gains another one. Come Amen. On. And I want you just to stay in this moment. Just close your eyes again for a second. I'm not trying to drag anything out. I know what time it is. I know it's lunchtime. But if we wait long enough, then the lineups go down. <clears throat> I do believe, I, I sincerely, with all that I have in my heart, believe that over these next three weeks, that God is wanting to do something, both uh, corporately as a church and individually, that there are things that many of us have carried around for far too long, and the Lord is wanting to bring supernatural deliverance and freedom to you. And so if you're in this place today with everybody's eyes closed and you know that in your life there are things that you need the Lord to supernaturally work in, that you know when I say supernatural, I just mean that there are works that only God can do, that no man, no natural man can do them, but only a supernatural God. And if you're in this place today and you say, yes, I need God to miraculously, supernaturally work in my life, in my circumstances, I just want you to lift your hands up to the Lord right now. We lift our hands as a sign of surrender. That's why we lift our hands. That's all, that's all it means. You know, if somebody walked in with a gun and said, stick them up, you'd put your hands up as a sign of surrender. And that's why we lift our hands in church, because we're surrendering to Jesus. And so as our hearts and our hands are lifted and surrendered to the Lord, I want to take just a moment where you say in your own heart to the Lord, that you will surrender these next three weeks to Him, that you will seek Him. Psalm 24, verse 6 talks about being a generation that will seek the Lord like Jacob sought Him. And if you know that story, Jacob wrestled with the Lord all night long and wouldn't let go of Him. And so all across this place, if you need God to work in your life supernaturally, I want you again just to stretch your hands out, to lift them out and begin to worship God, begin to cry out to God, begin to thank God, begin to tell God in your own words that you need Him to work and move in your life, that you're setting apart these next three weeks to Him, that you are saying to Him, Jesus, Your kingdom come and Your will be done in my heart and my life. I surrender who I am to You and I say, have Your way. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.